And I invite you to open up your Bibles with me and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, starting in verse 12 this morning. Today is our annual reports and vision meeting right after the worship service this morning. And I hope you stick around to eat and fellowship and participate in that. But I know that not everyone will stay. I've, I've, I've been here a while here. I've been here 20 years. And I know that not everybody stays for the meal and meeting. So I'm going to cheat this morning and cast my vision for 2018 now before the meeting. So you have to hear it anyway. I have two main things to emphasize for 2018 for our church, and both of them are in our passage for today. In fact, both of them are in our first Hide the Word verse of the year, which we just said, which is also in our passage in Matthew for this morning. So it's all coming together. This is our sixth message in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew has shared the genealogy of Jesus so we know who he is and where he comes from. Matthew has told us about Jesus' miraculous birth and the meaning of his names. Matthew has informed us about the people searching for the newborn king, some searching to worship him and some searching to try to kill him. Matthew has described the forerunner of the Messiah, John the Baptist, who was calling people to repent and then was asked to baptize Jesus himself. When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove and God the Father said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. And then Jesus was put to the test. That same Spirit that had descended on Him like a dove now led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Do you remember this? A couple weeks ago? And Jesus passed the test. Where Adam had failed. Where Israel had failed. Where everybody had failed. Jesus succeeded. Using the word of God and believing the promises of God, Jesus said no to every temptation. And the devil had to leave him. And angels came and attended him. Jesus passed the test. And now Jesus will begin his public ministry. There are a number of things that happened between verse 11 and verse 12 that Matthew doesn't tell us about. If you want to know about those things, read the first few chapters of the Gospel of John, and you'll find out Jesus did a number of significant things before the beginning of his ministry in Galilee, starting in verse 12. All of our Gospel writers are selective. They choose which historical things they want to share with us and place them in a particular order so that we understand the theological picture that they're drawing for us in their authorized biographies of Jesus. We can tell that some time has passed between verse 11 and verse 12, because of what Matthew says in verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. I don't think that happened the second after Jesus was baptized, or the second after Jesus was tempted. This is a little bit later in time, perhaps up to a year. We'll find out more about John being put in prison when we get to Matthew chapter 14. So after spending some time in the south, Jesus now moves north. Let's read the next few verses. Leaving Nazareth, his hometown, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, 
land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Would you pray with me? Lord, we long for that kingdom to come in all of its fullness. We long to sing like we just did, but with the company of all the redeemed, forever and ever praising you for the fountain, for what Jesus did for us, for the blood of the eternal covenant that is mighty to save us, save to sin no more. How we long for that. And to go where no poisonous wind, no no death, no pain, no sorrow or sickness is feared or felt anymore. That's where we're headed if we belong to Christ and we long for it. But we're here right now. And as we long for that, we need to understand this. So help us, Lord, to get into your word and have your word get into us. Change us, Lord, through the preaching of your word. Help me to be faithful to what's here, to say nothing more and nothing less than what you're saying here to us in these pages. We pray, Father, for you to speak to us, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The title of today's message is Following Jesus, which is what it's all about. Jesus calls his first full-time followers, and by the end of the chapter, he has crowds and crowds of followers. Following Jesus is what it's all about, and that's what our church is all about. Our church is all about bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, otherwise known as discipleship, being a follower of Jesus Christ by faith. And that's what Jesus calls us to in this passage this morning. Matthew begins by telling us that Jesus took up residence in Capernaum, which is in the northern region of Galilee. Now, question, question for you this morning. Is that where the Messiah was supposed to be? Is that where the Messiah would show up and do his thing? In in Matthew chapter 2, King Herod asked the Bible scholars where the Messiah was supposed to come from. And where did they say? Bethlehem right? Like David. So if he's the Messiah, why isn't Jesus bursting forth from Bethlehem? Well, because that's not the only prophecy about the Messiah that needs to be fulfilled. Remember, fulfilled is one of Matthew's favorite words. This is, I think, the sixth time. We're in chapter 4, and he's already said fulfilled six times. Look at verse 14. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. And then he quotes Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. I think it's his own translation from the Hebrew. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea, along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. The Messiah is here. The King has arrived. The fulfillment of Isaiah 9 has arrived on the scene. I love the imagery here. 
The people living in darkness have seen a great light. The darkness of sin, the darkness of evil, the darkness of oppression, the darkness of despondency. And now, light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Doesn't that sound good? They've gone from sadness to joy, from darkness to light. Why? Because Isaiah 9 is being fulfilled before their very eyes. Matthew quotes verses 1 and 2 of Isaiah 9. Do you know what Isaiah goes on to say just a few verses later as the reason for this joy, as the reason for this light in Isaiah 9? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And he shall reign forever and ever, right? We just were singing about it a month ago. That's what Matthew is saying is happening in Matthew chapter 4. That's what was going on in Galilee. Matthew is seeing that Isaiah 9 is being fulfilled in Jesus and not just for the Jews. Did you catch that? He's ministering in Galilee of the what? Of the Gentiles. I love that. You know, we know that Matthew is the most Jewish of the Gospels, always going back into his Old Testament and talking about fulfillment and so forth. He's always convincing the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. But he's also reminding the Jews that Jesus is also the Messiah for the Gentiles. From the Magi to the Great Commission. Matthew reminds his readers that Jesus is for both Jew and Gentile, for both insiders and outsiders, for both native-born and foreigners, and that's good news for us here in Lance, Pennsylvania, because we are not in Israel. That's who we are. We're the foreigners. We're the transplants. We're the immigrants into the promises of God. But the light has dawned even for us here. And Jesus begins then to preach Verse 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Hmm, that sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Where have we heard language like this before? John the Baptist, right? We saw that back in just the last chapter. That was John's message. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. What does it mean to repent? What did we say like three, four weeks ago? Yeah, to do a U-turn, right? To turn around in your thinking and now to turn around into a new direction. You're headed in one direction and you realize you're going in the wrong direction, so you do a 180 and you head in a new direction. That's what repentance is. And it's the first step to truly following Jesus. Point number one for today is simply follow Jesus follow Jesus. And the way to begin is to repent. Because you can't go in Jesus' direction if you're just going in your own, right? Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So near, it's here. The kingdom of heaven is near because the king is near. The light has dawned. The, The Messiah has arrived. Isaiah 9 is unfolding. The kingdom is upon us. So, repent. Have you repented? 
Have you turned from sin and turned to Jesus? Are you repenting? Four weeks ago, I asked you, of what sins do you need to repent these days? Where is the Lord working on you? What sins is He putting His finger on and asking you to confess and turn away from? What needs to change in your life? Do you remember what you said when I asked those questions four weeks ago? A month has gone by. How did you answer? How have you changed? Are you repenting? Are you producing, like John the Baptist said, producing fruit in keeping with repentance? Because it's not just John the Baptist who says we need to do it, right? It's Jesus. That whole repent thing wasn't over with John the Baptist. Jesus says it too, and he's saying it to us. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Turn your life over to the Lord and start going in his direction. Follow Jesus. That's exactly what Jesus asks Peter and Andrew to do. Look at verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Isn't that interesting? Two brothers, Peter and Andrew. They probably had another brother named Isaac and a sister named Robin. Matthew left that out of his story. These two guys are fishermen. They are fishing, not with poles, okay, but with nets. Great big circle nets that they throw out into the water. They trap a bunch of fish and they pull back up into the boat. The Gospel of John tells us that Jesus had a prior relationship with these men. It's not the first time they've ever been introduced to Jesus. They had followed him before, perhaps as part-time disciples. But they had returned to their thriving business in Fishtown, Galilee. Yet on this fateful day, Jesus approached them and called them to give up their nets, give up their businesses, and come follow him. I think it's great that these are just regular Joes. They're just hard-working, blue-collar guys, and Jesus thinks they'd make great disciples. Notice that they don't pick him. He picks them. That's different from most rabbi-disciple relationships in this time period. Normally, the disciples picked a rabbi and hoped that that rabbi would allow them to follow him. Here, the rabbi has picked his disciples. You there. Come follow me. Think about what that means. Come follow me. It's a lot more than just physically following him. They did. They, they physically went where he went. They followed him. For Simon and Andrew, it meant dropping their nets and leaving their businesses. That's a big deal, isn't it? For their friends James and John, it meant even leaving their family, their dad. Look at verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And their father. That's a big deal, isn't it? Following Jesus meant that in priority, at least, Jesus became their number one allegiance. Following Jesus meant making Jesus their first commitment. They make a break with everything to follow Jesus. 
Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you following Jesus? One way to know is to see if you're hanging on to your nets, right? These guys drop their nets and they go. Or if, if there are relationships that come ahead of Jesus for you. Well, yeah, I follow Jesus, but I got to do this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The king is here. Follow him. Now, we use that word follow in lots of different ways today, sometimes very lightly. Like you can follow someone on social media. How many followers do you have? How many people do you follow? That's a fine way to use the word, but truly following Jesus is a lot more than just liking him and agreeing with him, nodding at what your head at what he says. Some, sometimes we think that's what we mean by following. Yep, I agree with Jesus. You know, I, I, you know count me in as part of that thing, that Jesus thing. Sure, yeah, check that box. That's not what he's asking these guys to do. Following Jesus means obeying Jesus as your Lord and your master. Following Jesus means becoming like Jesus and, and following his example. Following Jesus means a total commitment and a total attachment to his cause, to his kingdom. Are you following Jesus? He's inviting you. Come follow me, he says. Come on, get, get behind me. Follow in my trail. I'll show you the path to walk. Notice that he doesn't say, come follow my teaching. He could, but he doesn't. He makes it more personal that. He says, come follow me. We aren't called to follow Christianity. We're called to follow Christ. Are you following Jesus? That's point number one of the vision I want to cast for Lance Free Church in 2018. That we would truly be disciples. That we would follow Jesus. Wherever he goes, whatever he says, whatever he wants, he's the rabbi, he's our leader, he's our king. Now that's going to mean personal change. You don't sign up to follow Jesus and then stay the way you are. Now some people think that grace means we don't have to change. If you're saved by grace, they reason... It's all free, so you're free to stay the same, right? No, that's not the way it works. Next week, Abe Scasel is preaching, right? And Abe is going to talk about that next week in his sermon. I'm going to be here listening to it on the front row. I can't wait. Grace changes us. You come to Jesus as you are. You don't have to get cleaned up first. Salvation is a free gift to sinners, but grace changes you. When you come to Jesus, you repent. You make a U-turn, and then you follow Jesus. And as you do that, He changes you. Lots of course corrections along the way. Some of them small, and some of them pretty big. But you don't stay the same. Nobody stays the same following Jesus. Are you following Jesus? That's the goal for 2018, to grow as followers of Jesus. And we'll have to help each other to get there. Because you don't follow Jesus on your own. You follow Jesus with other Jesus followers. That's why we have a church. Simon and Andrew and James and John now had one another. And they were going to follow Jesus in community for the rest of their lives. 
following Jesus is a team sport, and this is the team. We help each other to do it. So let me ask you some pointed questions about following Jesus. Are you repenting of sin? Are you meeting with the Lord regularly? Are you connecting with other believers? Are you using your gifts to serve your master? These are not the only questions to determine if you're following Jesus, but they're good ones. We've talked about repentance already. How about meeting with the Lord? And by this, I just mean reading your Bible and praying. Not to go through the motions of, yep, I read my Bible and I prayed, but to follow Jesus. How about connecting with other believers? Somebody knows you and knows how you're doing as a disciple. Are you doing that? A link group, a class, a Bible study, a one-on-one get-together, a prayer partner, that sort of thing. And are you doing something with your gifts? Are you serving the Lord and serving His church? Following Jesus means doing what Jesus wants you to do. Not what I want you to do, but what Jesus is calling you to do. Come follow me, Jesus said. We're going to learn how to do that better in 2018. The Gospel of Matthew will light the way. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be good. So you can guess what the other main point is going to be, right? Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Fish for people. That's our other main point, our other main goal for 2018. Follow Jesus and fish for people to follow Jesus. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Got that memorized? Because next week, Marilyn's going to have some blanks where a lot of those words are. You're going to have to fill them in. These guys were fishermen. Now they're fishers of men. It's a great play on words, isn't it? Sticks in your head. They are no longer going after salmon, but after souls. They're no longer going after minnow, but after men. Part of being a disciple is making more disciples. Let me say that again. Part of being a true disciple means actively making new disciples. And see, it's not optional. You don't get to say, well, I don't have a gift for that. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I'm not a people person. I'm not a talker. So count me out. I'm not into this fishing for men. Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He'll do it. Now, I would imagine that Andrew, James, and John might have tried to get out of this, right? They were probably not that big of talkers either. They'd say, I'm a fisherman, not a salesman. Of course, old Peter, he, he thinks he can do whatever he wants to. He had a big mouth. But Jesus says, no, it's not optional. This is what my disciples do. They fish for new disciples. Now, that's going to look different for different people. I'm not saying everybody has to talk like Peter, right? But if we aren't fishing in some way, shape, or form, we're not being disciples. True disciples fish for new disciples. If we're not fishing in some way, shape, or form for people, we're not following Jesus. Now, thankfully, Jesus says he'll do the work of making us the fishers of men. We don't have to turn ourselves into fishermen all by ourselves. At least he said it to Peter and Andrew, and I think it's here in the Gospels to give us the same idea. He will make us people fishers if we allow him to. And that's exactly what we need to do. And it's the second thing I want us to focus on in 2018. Fishing 
for people. Anybody remember this fishbowl? Some of you have been around and you remember this fishbowl. Ten years ago, it was ten years ago, we set this fishbowl out in the foyer and we encouraged everybody to think about whom they're praying for and hoping to talk to about Jesus. And we put their names in this fishbowl and we committed to praying for them. I actually still carry around in my Bible those names. I carry around in my Bible those names that we put in the fishbowl ten years ago that we prayed for back then. And praise God, a number of these people have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord since we began praying for them ten years ago. Some of them are in this room right now. Some of them have trusted Jesus and have died recently. And some of them we're still praying for. Well, I want to do it again. Abe Scasel is our prayer coordinator for the Wild Game Dinner. And he and I are going to put this fishbowl out in the foyer with these little blue cards that say, please pray for, and then you put a name down on there. Okay, and you can do as many as you want. And put your own name on it too so we know with whom we're praying. Okay, put it in the fishbowl. Okay, and it'll be out in the foyer. And Abe is going to collect those and he's going to pass those names to prayer warriors. At our prayer meeting, at our harvest prayer time, to other people like myself and other folks that are going to commit to praying for these precious people. And we're going to do it beyond the wild game dinner too. It's not just for the wild game dinner. It's not just who am I inviting to the wild game dinner, though that would be a really good person's name to put on there. Put on there anyone you're praying for that you want to fish for. Now don't put their name on it if you're not willing to fish. Okay. Put the name on it of somebody you know that needs Jesus, you're praying for them, and you are praying that you will get a chance, an opportunity to fish for them. We're not just going to pray for them, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for opportunities, and we're going to pray for boldness. Following Jesus means fishing for people. It's God's work, but he wants to do it through us. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will make you fishers of men. What are we fishing with? What, what, what's the bait? It's the Lord himself, right? We aren't trying to get people to buy into the church or buy into some philosophy or some movement. We're trying to get people to consider the claims of Christ and give their lives to him and to his kingdom. Look at how, look how precious he is. Look at verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. What a ministry. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now we're going to see that many of those turned out not to be true followers. They followed him, but they didn't follow him. But see how attracted they all are to Jesus. What an amazing person. How compelling. He's the most compelling person there's ever been. That's who we want to introduce people to. Jesus himself is the good news. We'll talk about his teaching. 
Next time I'm up, we're going to start in on the Sermon on the Mount. And we'll talk about his healing. We're going to see again and again how he heals people throughout the gospel. But look at the middle one of those three in verse 23 again. Teaching and healing. And in the middle, preaching the good news of the kingdom. He said the kingdom is near. The light has dawned. And the kingdom is good. The kingdom is good news. It's the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the king. 